0: Today is Tuesday, March 14th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. President Biden tries to assure Americans that the banking system is, quote unquote, safe. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We'd love to be here with you each and every weekday, morning at 7 a.m., getting through the news of the cray, as we like to call it. CBN's Billy Hallowell joins me now. Trey is still off on assignment. What's going on, Billy? Another ski trip. (laughs) He's out skiing. Good old Trey and his winter adventures. But we got a lot to cover on the podcast. But Billy, before we get going, I have to. I just saw that they're trying to cancel Pat Zajak. They're trying to get him to apologize. So I'm thinking, what did Pat do? And I watched this clip, and it's so benign. Him just joking with this contestant about... Her fear of fish, and she's laughing the whole time. I don't know. Cancel culture just needs to be canceled. It's it's so ridiculous at this point. It really is.
1: It, you know, it's the it's the opposite of gospel culture. But I often wonder <laughs> with him if he's just like on the chopping block because people assume he believes a certain way or thinks a certain way. Right. right. He seemed. He strikes me as maybe a conservative. I don't know.
0: Right. Um, yes, he has said some conservative sounding things. So that that definitely puts you in the path of the social media canceled tornado so hopefully hopefully survives it pat seems let let the guy do wheel of fortune let him let him have a little fun while he's turning around the letters it's got to get boring after a while so nevertheless we got a lot coming up what uh what story are you hitting today billy
1: yeah, I'm going to be talking about this Christian organization serving the homeless out in Washington state. They are suing the state. They're suing state officials over some hiring uh, regulations. It's a it's a pretty interesting one.
0: All right. Looking forward to that. Also, we're going to be talking about this case in Florida uh, between the state there and um, the and some atheists over <laughs> over a protest there. So we'll have the details on that on the main thing. But uh, we're going to get through the news here first in 90 seconds and months after winning at the u.s supreme court coach joe kennedy who is a an assistant coach in high school in washington state he was fired for praying on the field after games he has been reinstated coach kennedy was punished as i said for praying on the field in games back in 2015 and he's a devout Christian and he maintained that practice of going out to that 50 yard line after the games and kneeling in prayer. First Liberty says they are thrilled with the outcome. And President Biden said yesterday that quote Americans can rest assured that our banking system is safe. He said your deposits are safe. This was after the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. He promised to do whatever is needed quote unquote to prevent any additional bank runs. So meanwhile, some are criticizing the bank's hyper-attention on what they're calling a woke agenda as a potential reason for the bank's failure. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said, this bank, they're so concerned with DEI and politics and all kinds of stuff, I think it's really diverted from them focusing on their core mission. Pointed out that until or January of this year while the person in charge of risk assessment in the UK allegedly prioritized pro diversity initiatives while neglecting their actual role can read about these stories and more over at cbnnews.com well a lot happening good to see uh, coach kennedy reinstated there after after that i mean we we have a lot coming up on the podcast today and as we always cover when christians are sort of maligned by uh by Different institutions are fired for their faith. And this was one of those instances where the, the atheist pounced. And finally, I mean, here we are. That was 2015 almost eight years later and he's finally been reinstated incredible
1: well yeah it's it's incredible but it's also disturbing right that it takes i mean we have a first amendment freedom to associate and what i think is important to acknowledge in this case if i remember all the details correctly because we have covered this you mentioned yeah. all these years we've been on this story you know in the beginning there were there were prayers going on in the locker room as well as on the field and when this became an issue coach kennedy i believe i want to make sure i'm correct here but i believe i am he stopped those things that were going on in the locker room right but 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 the 50-yard line prayer after a game where students could make a choice and their families could make a choice to either join him or not when he went to kneel and pray – that to me seems uncontroversial, right? Yeah. We, we trust young people now, apparently, in this country to make all sorts of decisions for themselves on gender and all these other things. And we, we're inserting all these things into school that shouldn't be there. And a voluntary prayer is the line in the sand for people. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's so bizarre that he had to fight as hard as he did um, to win this.
0: It goes to that mindset that oftentimes these atheist activists complain about, which is really not, shouldn't be a thing at all, which is any mention of gov- of Christianity or faith at all in a public school setting is off limits. Like, oh no, no, you're not even allowed to talk about that. That is, that is not at all what the founders were going for. Just evidenced by their own practices in government, in town halls, in opening up Congress, They all started with prayer. They didn't have any problem with God being mentioned or prayer happening, not even in the least. It's about establishing a mandatory government religion. That's what you couldn't do. It's not that you can't mention your religion anywhere in public grounds, but somehow that's where they've landed on it. And that's where all these fights keep happening.
1: Well, and it's like every law is the basis of a of a religious tenant at some point. Right. I mean, I think that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, this idea that there can be no intermingling. You know, we talked on the show recently about New York City Mayor, you know, Eric Adams, his speech about his repeated speech on this now talking about it. This is a major issue, though, because I think we're watching. And you know what? Props to Eric Adams, regardless of what people think, that he was willing to go there because. We're watching a culture that is desperately crumbling and falling apart and, and people are falling apart. And a big part of the reason why is that we're not being honest about the need for faith and truth in people's lives. And so, you know, we we've put people in schools where we tell kids, hey, you know what, you don't really matter. You were an accident. None of this has any sort of creator that kicked it into high gear. It's just all a mistake. And we expect them to be normal, well-adjusted people, right? And it's like, no. That, that doesn't really work that way. So, yeah, I I just can't believe it took a Supreme Court case to affirm what we already knew to be true in the First Amendment.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point about you keep feeding people a message of essentially that boils down to hopelessness, purposelessness, because there is nothing in their worldview beyond the material here. So that that's a depressing view. And you'll see a lot of the famed atheist... Um, philosophers in history usually ended up with some sort of depression even suicide because they realized the implication of their own worldview which was dust to dust dash to ash you know that we're that we're nothing ultimately we're just matter in motion and we don't have any deeper meaning and I, that's just going to lead to despair and to you know sadness really. And it's the Christian worldview and the Christian faith that gives you a hope beyond what we see here. So anyway, moving on here to our next story, and it's kind of related to the Coach Joe story in a way. There is a Christian organization that's been serving the homeless uh, in Washington, actually, same similar area as Coach Joe. Uh, But they're trying to protect their constitutional right to hire employees who share the same religious beliefs. According to the Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, a conservative legal firm, and this fight is ongoing. So what what's going on here with this one, Billy? Yes, yeah,
1: so this one is very, very strange for a lot of reasons. We've seen this repeated push by the government to try and ensure that that a business doesn't reject people based on a, a, a series of things, their religion based on their sexuality, right, when it comes to hiring practices. So, and look, this is a well-intentioned policy, actually, um, in, in many ways, right? You're, you're trying to make sure that people aren't getting rooted out of, of a position, that, that you're not discriminating against somebody in hiring practices. But this becomes a Real problem when that ideology is applied even to Christian businesses, right? If you're a Christian business owner and you're trying to operate in a a certain way. um, But really, in this case that we're talking about here, this is the Yakima Union Gospel Mission. It's a Christ centered homeless shelter. So, this is a nonprofit organization. For 86 years, they've been providing medical supplies, meals, shelter, you know, it's a homelessness shelter, recovery programs, and and all sorts of other things to people in need. And apparently there's been a recent legal understanding change with the Washington Supreme Court in the state where they've reexamined state law to prevent religious groups from hiring only people who share their beliefs. Meaning if you're a Christian organization like Yakima, you want to hire other Christians, right? Because that's what your mission is rooted in. The Washington Supreme Court apparently um, now prohibits religious organizations from doing that. There was an exemption to the law, uh, which is a common sense exemption that if you're a religious organization, you are able to hire Christians, that you do not have to hire non-Christians, that you could say, no, that person doesn't believe they're not going to be brought in. That has apparently been removed or is no longer standing. And so there are a lot of organizations that are afraid. And Yakima, um, they have found themselves in a position where they feel, according to CEO Mike Johnson, that they need to sue over this, that they wanted to take legal action with ADF and they partnered up with ADF um, to essentially go after the government officials in the state to get clarity um, on the fact that they want to be able to hire believers. And I will tell you, What's really interesting about this, according to Mike Johnson, the CEO, he said that once that understanding, that newfound understanding came on the books they ended up starting to get applications. They had two open positions that were very volatile. They started getting phone calls. He mentioned a threat. You know, it, Once this was sort of on the books that they had to hire everybody, they started getting people who would say, I don't believe in God. I think that religion is brainwashing, but hey, I wanna work for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows? It, it seemed like there was a little bit of trolling going on. So they actually pulled their employment opportunities down um, and, and they weren't hiring for those positions even though they needed to. So so their actual mission, um, according to them, has been impacted already by this because they don't want to hire somebody who doesn't share in their faith views.
0: Yeah, that's it's really concerning. And why do, you, why do you think it is? And do they speak at all, the ADF or or this organization speak about why why it is imperative to have people of faith in an organization that's an, an openly and explicitly Christian organization?
1: Yeah, you know, the CEO, Johnson, he said that basically this regulation disrupts the unity that should be within the mission, right, of the organization, that by mandating non-believers be there, everything they do is predicated on faith. He said, we love everybody that comes through the doors, but we need our employees to be able to build Christian community with each other, because that's the emphasis and the essence of what drives change. And so he he spoke quite a bit about that, how the organization exists to follow Christ and helping people move on from homelessness that christ isn't some addendum or footnote that jesus is the centerpiece of the work that they do um he also just for context on the importance of this organization they apparently operate the state's largest free medical clinic right Mm. they have a dental clinic so this is a you know addiction recovery this is a big organization that again everything they do hinges on the gospel and motivating and centering people around jesus
0: very interesting indeed. And again, like I said, certainly something Christians need to be keeping their eyes on because these these are the sorts of things, when they happen, it's the slow drip away from having your ability um, to really have your freedom of religion and your expression and how you um, want to run things, especially from a Christian organization perspective here in America, you don't want to lose that ability. These are these, these are the times you got to hold firm to these, um, values and these, these rights really so that we don't lose them. But what are they, what are they hoping to accomplish here as they, uh, continue to fight?
1: Yeah, I think they're hoping for clarity that they want that gutted exemption to be put back on the books that, you know, I had asked the question, are you just trying to kind of get ahead of this? Because they haven't come after you yet, the government. And and they explained there was another organization that has already fallen under um, disfavor with the government over this or a similar matter. And they are very fearful that it's going to affect them. But they underscored that with the fact that it already has affected them with the applications that I mentioned. So they want clarity on this and they want the, the government to recognize the First Amendment on this and their ability to, you know, to operate in the way they see fit. And I would tell you, I mean, I have been, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I have been in a job interview before where I was told that my belief, specifically told that the things that I believed, I would not fare well or do well in a particular newsroom because of that. Um, and you know what? I walked away from that interview and I said, you know, I I get it. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but I'm glad that I actually know that now, right? So I think there are people who would have flipped out over that and sued over it. But I think, you know, certain organizations operate the way they operate. And in this case, it's key to what these people do.
0: Yeah, indeed. And it's I, really, I feel like we're at a time now, Billy, where there's this comfort level with people who have a disdain for Christianity, whereas previously, People in positions of power, like whatever place that was you interviewed at, would kind of understand that the majority of people identify as Christians in America. And so they wouldn't really openly express views like that. But it feels like there's been a shift in recent years where, no, it's okay to now openly dangle attempts to take away religious freedoms and to to undermine them and to call out and say that Christianity is this cancer or harm on society. It just feels like there's more of a comfort level with that now.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I think we're going to see it become even more comfortable, right? Because young people in particular are not are not faithful. They're curious, but they haven't been introduced to the gospel, and so th- these are what were mainstream concepts and beliefs for in, in a unified society, even if it was only nominally. Um, those things have evap- evaporated, and so yeah. it's all very foreign to people now. I think we're gonna. I think that the terrain is going to get much rougher as we go.
0: Hmm. All right, well, appreciate you bringing that story there. We'll certainly keep an eye on it going forward to see what the results are of it, how it pans out, uh, this uh, legal action there that they're taking. So appreciate you bringing that one. We're going to head over to the main thing now. And Justin Butterfield is an attorney at First Liberty Institute. And he stopped by to talk with Billy today and explain why he believes atheists will ultimately lose this ongoing legal feud with a florida city over a prayer vigil and so he spoke with billy as i mentioned for today's main thing
1: There's an interesting case out of Florida. The Supreme Court recently decided to not hear this case. And that has led to a lot of speculation about the fact that maybe the atheists involved in this case won some sort of victory. Now, the case is centered on an event, a prayer vigil that unfolded back in 2014 after a a shooting that injured children. Let's just dig right into this. Was this a big victory for atheists with the fact that the Supreme Court declined to hear
2: the case? No, it wasn't. The Supreme Court said that we're not really at the position yet to decide um, how, how certain aspects of the, the constitutional protections for religious liberty apply in this case yet, um, because the original case was decided before major Supreme Court opinions that came out last year, like Kennedy versus Birmingham school district, that, that really um, clarified what the establishment clause means. And what the Supreme Court said in this case was, okay, the 11th Circuit is sending this back to the lower court to reconsider in light of those cases. The Supreme Court's not ready to jump into this yet. So the Supreme Court's just saying, we're, we're looking at it. We have our eyes on it. We're not going to jump in yet. It's not time for that yet but it's certainly not a victory for for the atheists in this matter.
1: Well, it's helpful to have you explain that because one of the narratives in some outlets has been that this was, a you know, a victory to them. I think understanding that this is a very complicated case that wasn't quite where it needed to be in order for it to be taken up um, helps put it in context. But let's get into why the atheists in this case are actually suing. You know, this case, again, it goes back to 2014. There was this prayer vigil event. Can you take us through some of what happened that led to these atheists, saying we need to sue over this.
2: Sure. So, following uh, a tragic shooting in Ocala, Florida, some of the community's religious leaders came to the the police chief and said, "We would like to have a a community prayer vigil for for the victims." Uh, the police chief agreed. He posted an invite on on the the um, police department's Facebook page, saying, "Hey, there's this prayer vigil. You know, if you want to come out, feel free to come out." Um, some of the police chaplains, uh, participated, um, the police chaplains and the, the community's religious leaders were praying. They were singing. Um, it it was a prayer vigil. Uh, there were a few atheists who heard about this, decided to, to attend the event and they then filed a lawsuit, um, saying that, that the police department should not have been able to be involved in having this prayer vigil for, for the, the victims of this unfortunate shooting. What
1: is it? And, and this is something I think, you know, we, we see this again and again, and you deal with these cases all the time. You know, if I see something I don't agree with happening, my my go-to wouldn't be to take legal action on it. I understand this is, you know, more complicated when it comes to government officials and government institutions and faith, but what are the damages? You know, what is the reason why somebody would say, as an atheist, okay. We feel this violated the First Amendment. We're going to take action.
2: Well, and normally you wouldn't be able to. Um, the, the courts have been very clear that for, for there to be a lawsuit, there has to be an actual damage. And in every case, except for historically religious liberty cases involving the Establishment Clause, being offended is not sufficient to bring a lawsuit. Like somebody offends you, you can't sue them for that. That's, that's not a proper use of the courts. Now, several years ago, um, some of the lower courts developed this idea that that's true in every case as long as it's not somebody suing the government under the Establishment Clause. They they made an exception to make it much easier to sue the government under the Establishment Clause just for being offended. And the the atheists in this lawsuit attended the the prayer vigil knowing that it was going to be a religious event and then decided that they were offended for hearing prayers um, by these police chaplains, and then brought lawsuit under what was called uh, offended observer standing. Now, Supreme Court's never upheld offended observer standing, and that's the issue that was, was brought up to the Supreme Court during this appeal. And the Supreme Court said, yes, we're very skeptical of offended observer standing. We've never recognized offended observer standing. Offended observer standing is based on bad law um, the lemon test that was now been overturned in Kennedy versus Bermerton. Um But the Supreme Court said, you know, it's being the case is going back to the district court to be reconsidered on the merits. Anyway, we're not going to decide that issue yet.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we're living in very intriguing times. I live in New York, and we have, you know, Eric Adams, the mayor in New York, making a lot of comments this week about faith. And in particular, um, and last week, whether or not as a mayor he separates his religious views from his duties. And regardless of what people think about him or his duties, it is interesting that he's saying, look, as a Christian, I can't separate who I am from the policies that I put in place. Yeah, This is something, it's been sort of the the timeless battle that we've had um, in this country about how faith and government intersect. And so people are going to come and ask, well, in this case, if police officers are promoting or a police department is promoting or participating in a prayer vigil, is that legal? So I'll throw that question over to you.
2: So the Supreme Court's been clear now that that what the Establishment Clause looks to is, what is the history and tradition in this nation? So the Establishment Clause was designed to prevent the state from creating a state religion. You know, in other countries, you've got the Church of England. Here, we could not have the Church of America. That's what the Establishment Clause prohibits. Now, that's been twisted um, during the 20th century by the Supreme Court, And last year in Kennedy versus Birmingham, the Supreme Court said, no, that was not what the Establishment Clause was ever meant to do. If you wanna understand the Establishment Clause, look to what the founders did with it. What did they say about it? What is the history of our nation's understanding of the relationship between faith and government? And quite frankly, this country has a long and varied history of of government participating with religious uh, communities in this country. So the idea that the Ocala Police Department would, would allow their chaplains to, to pray along with the community's religious leaders after this shooting, that, that is exactly the sort of thing that the founders would have, would have never understood to violate the Establishment Clause. That, that fits in with the history and tradition of faith in our country. And that means it's permissible under the Establishment Clause. So I
1: think I know what you're going to say here, but as we round out to a close, what do you think happens with this case
2: next? I think that ultimately the city is going to prevail. That that either the district court or the eleventh circuit or ultimately the Supreme Court if if they have to will say, no, this is this does fit within our understanding of the establishment clause. This is not the equivalent of creating a state religion. This is this is a a welcome participation of of government officials with religious communities in their town to come together after this tragic event and support each other. And that that's that is the best of American tradition.
1: Well, Justin, I appreciate you taking the time today to break this story down. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me.
0: All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation there. Really appreciate it. That leaves us with time for one last thing on the podcast today. And I want to take a look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you, you know the story. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. I just, there's so much, my pastor just went through this. And so I just wanted to touch on it briefly. But of course, you know, you have this man, the lawyer, he's he's putting Jesus to the test. And he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? And so, you know, you know, the whole story He goes through it. And of course, the Samaritan is, you know, the Israelites did not regard at all highly. Samaritans did not like them. So he, that the Samaritan is sort of the hero of the story who loves his neighbor. And so uh, I just think it's interesting to look at how people just wanted to put Jesus to the test. They're always trying to trap him. And Jesus always had these responses that just left people speechless. You see, at the end of this, it just ends with saying, now go and do likewise. And there's no response from it. There's no witty response. It's like you can just see it's like a mic drop moment. But... Um, once again Jesus shows us the way
1: yeah I, and I love that right that the way that he made people think in process through storytelling mm-hmm. is really incredible um, because it's through those stories that you can really relate and understand obviously as readers now looking back but the people he's speaking to you just imagine their face dropping when they realize that they've <laughs> been that they've been owned you know yeah by Jesus. yeah
0: well yeah and and then just the fact that Jesus is is, kind of rebuking the, the legalists and the ones who are super tied to the law and then showing the heart of God and what it's really all about. And I think that's something we can draw from these is seeing the heart of God and seeing what he really values. And it's loving, not just our neighbor as ourselves, but going above and beyond as the Samaritan did. So uh, that's all the time we have for today. Lord willing, in that creek, don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.